You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. My name is Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. That's Ben Solzer right there. Hello. He is the gunslinger of the Wild West that we call the Sound of Sanity. He shoots down bad ideas, heresies. There's somebody else that is going to bring things to a fervor pitch. A fervor, a fervor pitch? Yeah. Do you mean a fever pitch? I mean, I mean a fervor pitch. <laughs> Whoa. I mean a Furby pitch. <laughs> a Furby pitch? Yeah, I mean a Fergie pitch. Whoa. I mean pitch perfect. Three. <laughs> I'm just doing word association now, folks. <laughs> Pretty much what I always do. But okay, which is more bald face that time. Speaking of bald faces, <laughs> this person, half of his face is bald. The head part has hair. And then the beard part has a beard and the mustache. So really, he's about as unbald faced as they come. But man, this is exciting. Whoever this person is, <laughs> I think our listeners really want to meet him. Well, now. Ben, Ben, why don't you do the honors? It's Pastor Jake Mensel, pastor who's a master of sanity and beards. Yes, that's me. Hi, Jake. Hey, what's up? Well, I'll tell you what's up, Jake. We're talking about the Equality Act today. People may have seen some Big headlines. Stuff. Yeah. We are going to do a deep dive into the Equality Act in a little segment I call A Deep Dive into the Equality Act. Huh. Hey, everybody. Welcome to A Deep Dive into the Equality Act. I'm Nathan. That's Ben. That's Jake. And it's a deep dive on the Equality Act. The Equality Act. The Equality Act. <laughs> it's really bad. Yes, that's a fact. What's a Christian gonna do? Here's our deep dive for you and you. But as we do it, wouldn't it be wrong? Not to do it in the form of a song. So here to do it, as sharp as a pencil. It's <laughs> the singing pastor. Our, our pal, pal Jake Mansell. Hey, guys. Hey, Jake. Hi. So let's talk about the Equality Act. On February 18th. I can't believe that you wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write that. <laughs> improv something better than that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way we possibly could have improv we you, we cannot spin straw into gold that fast, Jake. No, no ruffles still squeaky skin, are we? I think that's what that guy does. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's talk about the Equality Act. On February 18th, 2021, U.S. Representative David Ciceline, I think that's how you say his name, a Democrat from Rhode Island, reintroduced the Equality Act, H.R. 5, a bill that would amend federal law, including Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. President-elect Joe Biden said he would work to pass the Equality Act within his first 100 days in office. This bill passed in the House on February 25th, 2021, and it goes to the Senate next for consideration. Great deep dive, guys! <laughs> Ben, old pal, I hope you brought your scuba gear. <laughs> Why is that, Jake, old chum? Because we are diving deeper. <laughs> Guys. 
Come on. (laughs) Let's read a paragraph summary by the Congressional Research Service, which is a nonpartisan division of the Library of Congress. This bill does five things. (laughs) Number one. It prohibits discrimination based on sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity in areas including public accommodations and facilities, education, federal funding, employment, housing, credit, and the jury system. Number two, the bill defines and includes sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity among the prohibited categories of discrimination or segregation. So in places where there are already civil rights laws and things, Woke new categories are now included. Yay! Uh, Number three, the bill expands the definition of public accommodations to include places or establishments that provide, one, exhibitions, recreation, exercise, amusement, gatherings, or displays, two, goods, services, or programs, and three, transportation services. That's a big list. Hooray! What else? We have two more points. Number four, the bill allows the Department of Justice to intervene in equal protection actions in federal court on account of sexual orientation or gender identity. The DOJs can come for you, baby! Uh, Number five, the bill prohibits an individual from being denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. Guys, you know what I never do? What? I actually read from these giant bills that our government overlords pass. We're going to give you lots of choice quotes from this bill so you can really get an idea of what's in this thing. So it starts with like a gazillion pages of findings. Like it says, Congress finds that, colon, and then it lists finding after finding after finding. And each finding contributes to a treasure trove of homespun wisdom on sexuality. That's right, Jake. For example... Among these findings, we have a definition of discrimination. Quote, discrimination can occur on the basis of the sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition of an individual, as well as because of sex-based stereotypes. Each of these factors alone can serve as the basis for discrimination, and each is a form of sex discrimination. So pregnancy childbirth or related medical condition so like you can say abortion related things or really any medical condition under this law uh, seems kind of broad jay jake is a great bob marley used to say don't worry be happy i'm gonna keep quoting quote a single instance of discrimination may have more than one basis for example discrimination against a married same-sex couple could be based on the sex stereotype that marriage should only be between heterosexual couples, the sexual orientation of the two individuals in the couple, or both. Aha. The sex stereotype that marriage should only be between heterosexual couples. Glad Congress could define that for us. Jake, don't you just love it when random pieces of legislation blithely reduce the foundational principles of thousands of years of civilized society to a sex stereotype? I love it even more when random pieces of legislation blithely reduce the principles that God has written into the world from creation. Another finding, guys, quote, This discrimination prevents the full participation of LGBTQ people in society and disrupts the free flow of commerce. Because if there's one thing Democrats care about, it's the free flow of commerce. Quote, Women also have faced discrimination in many establishments, unquote. Uh, This is from the same bill that's going to demand that women share bathrooms with men. Moving on, quote, the discredited practice known as, and then they quote, conversion therapy, quote unquote, 
is a form of discrimination that harms LGBTQ people by undermining individuals' sense of self-worth, increasing suicide ideation and substance abuse, exacerbating family conflict, and contributing to second-class status, unquote. So do they have, uh, like, uh, a source for that? Fine. <laughs> and they don't need a source. This isn't something important like a newspaper article or a child's book report. This is an act of Congress. Here's another finding. Quote, Discrimination based on sexual orientation includes discrimination based on an individual's actual or perceived romantic, emotional, physical, or sexual attraction to other persons or lack thereof on the basis of gender. So wait a second, when I chose to marry Meredith instead of like, for example, Phyllis, was I discriminating romantically against Phyllis? Well, she's never gotten over it, Nathan, and I feel like you could certainly be liable, but when you throw around language like this, it could certainly be applied that way in any case. And therefore, you're going to jail. No! Hey, another finding. <laughs> Quote, numerous studies demonstrate that LGBTQ people, especially transgender people and women, are economically disadvantaged. <laughs> that was funny for some reason. Are economically disadvantaged and at a higher risk for poverty compared with other groups of people. For example, the poverty rate for older women in same-sex couples is twice that of older different-sex couples, unquote. Side note on the assumption there, to be poor is to be economically disadvantaged. Right. So there's no acknowledgement that poor people like have any agency over their economic disadvantages. And, I mean, there's certainly no acknowledgement that people who make the poor choice to be in a same-sex couple may also make a series of other poor choices, including financial ones. And now you're going to jail, Ben. No! Okay, the next finding we wanted to highlight because it's kind of hilarious. Here it is. Get ready to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Numerous studies document the shortage of qualified and available homes for the approximately 424,000 youth in the child welfare system and the negative outcomes for the many youth who live in group care as opposed to a loving home or who age out of care without a permanent family placement, end quote. Uh, nothing hilarious about that, Jake. Here's where it goes next, okay? Quote, Although same-sex couples are seven times more likely to foster or adopt than their different-sex counterparts, many child-placing agencies refuse to serve same-sex couples and LGBTQ individuals, end quote. Now, when I first read that, I had to blink a couple times like a cartoon character and then rub out my eyes because aren't same-sex couples 100% more likely to foster or adopt than their counterparts who can, like... Make, make babies. babies. <laughs> Nathan. Same-sex couples don't have to rely on adoption. They can also beg, borrow, or steal your children. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, to be fair, it is seven times more likely to adopt than regular couples who chose to adopt for whatever reason, but it's still, it's a very silly point. Speaking of silly points, another finding cites an old Supreme Court ruling, Bostock versus Clayton County, and they actually build a lot of their argument on Bostock versus Clayton County as grounds for saying discrimination based on sexual orientation is a form of sex discrimination. So let's take a sidebar and talk about Bostock versus Clayton County so we can see how these things creep along and influence each other. So Bostock versus Clayton County was a Supreme Court case decided in the halcyon days of June 2020. So we're citing something that just happened as our legal precedent? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's how law works. What's past is precedent. Precedent. Yeah, but it's worth pointing out because if you're not reading carefully, you'll get the idea that this far-off legal precedent from the past bolsters their current claims. Like they have this foundation of case histories from across American jurisprudence. And that's just not true. They have one case 
from less than a year ago. Basically, a couple of wrongful termination lawsuits got bundled together and made it to the Supreme Court. Cases where an employer allegedly fired a longtime employee simply for being homosexual or trans. And the United States Supreme Court held that terminating employment based on sexual orientation or transgender status constitutes unlawful sex-based discrimination in violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Justice Gorsuch stated that the issue of whether an employer could terminate an employee because of sexual orientation or gender identity is clear, quote-unquote. When an employer terminates an employee for such reasons, the employer fires that person for traits or actions it would not have questioned in members of a different sex. Sex plays a necessary and undisguisable role in that decision, exactly what Title VII, the Civil Rights Act, forbids. So basically, the Civil Rights Act of 64 says you can't discriminate based on sex. And the Supreme Court found that homosexual or trans rights fall under this purview. Justice Samuel Alito wrote a dissenting opinion with Justice Clarence Thomas, and it's awesome. Justice Alito argued that the court improperly legislated the issue of transgender and homosexual discrimination into Title VII under the guise of textualism. He went on to argue that the issue is, quote, not whether discrimination because of sexual orientation or gender identity should be outlawed. The question is whether Congress did that in 1964. It indisputably did not. Yeah, Alito's dissent is like, really snarky and pretty fun to read. It's about 50 pages long. Here's the money quote. The court tries to convince readers that it is merely enforcing the terms of the statute, but that is preposterous. Even as understood today, the concept of discrimination because of sex is different from discrimination because of sexual orientation or gender identity. And in any event, our duty is to interpret statutory terms to mean what they conveyed to reasonable people at the time they were written. If every single American had been surveyed in 1964, it would have been hard to find any who thought that discrimination because of sex meant discrimination because of sexual orientation. Not to mention gender identity, a concept that was essentially unknown at the time. Alito continues, quote, The court's opinion is like a pirate ship. It sails under a textualist flag. But what it actually represents is a theory of statutory interpretation that Justice Scalia excoriated. The theory that courts should update old statutes so that they better reflect the current values of society, end quote. And I like this part, quote, Title VII, as noted, prohibits discrimination because of sex. And in 1964, it was as clear as clear could be that this meant discrimination because of the genetic and anatomical characteristics that men and women have at the time of birth. Determined searching has not found a single dictionary from that time that defines sex to mean sexual orientation, gender identity, or transgender status. In all those dictionaries, the primary definition of sex was essentially the same as that in the then most recent edition of Webster's New International Dictionary, 2296, definition 1, second edition, 1953, quote, one of the two divisions of organisms formed on the distinction of male and female. In quote. See also American Heritage Dictionary, 1187, Definition 1A, 1969, the property or quality by which organisms are classified according to their reproductive functions. Random House Dictionary of the English Language, 1307, Definition 1, 1966, Random House Dictionary, the fact or character of being either male or female. 9, Oxford Dictionary, 577, Definition 1, 1933, either of the two divisions of organic beings distinguished as male and female, respectively. He actually went on to include several more long dictionary definitions in his dissent. 
So to sum up, in 2020, the Supreme Court rewrote history, reinterpreted the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to better align with the thinking of current bogus sexual rights activists. And now that's the precedent that Congress is drawing on as they attempt to further enshrine those ideas in the law. But guys, they don't want to be restrictive. Oh, no? No, it's right there in yet another finding of the act. Quote, as with all prohibitions on invidious discrimination, this act furthers the government's compelling interest in the least restrictive way, because only by forbidding discrimination is it possible to avert or redress the harms described in this subsection, unquote. So even though we might be tempted to find this act restrictive, the act finds that it's the least restrictive possible version of itself. Because only by being this restrictive is it possible to do anything like what the act wants to do. Which is not restrictive. Because the act says so. Well, the act has actually lots of other findings like that. And what do we think about that? Well, say it's Chip and Lance! Say, Chip, what do you what do you think about the findings in the Equality Act? Well, Lance, it's just the kind of homespun wisdom that old Gramps used to tell us kiddos back in the day. Was old Gramps who I think he was, Chip? <laughs> he certainly was, Lance. <laughs> a hobo under a bridge! Hey, well, whatever happened to that hobo? His bad habit of falling asleep on a train track and being decapitated by a train finally caught up with him, Lance. Always a shame when that happens, Chip. <laughs> Bye, Chip and Lance. Okay. So the act starts by presenting all these findings. Which is a whole bunch of garbage that could be defined any number of ways. And doesn't have to be proven, or really even sourced. The act goes on to lay out what it seeks to accomplish, which we've already described in short. But just to reiterate, the bill seeks to prohibit discrimination based on sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity in areas including public accommodations and facilities, education, federal funding, employment, housing, credit, and the jury system. And it, it wants to define and include sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity among the already prohibited categories of discrimination or segregation in law. So any place where we have laws protecting, say, a person of color, we want those laws to protect a gay or trans person too. Most specifically, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Basically, they would do a search and replace in that law and replace sex with sex including sexual orientation gender identity so there will be no part of that law that doesn't apply to the lkltqklt etc community and we want to empower the department of justice to enforce those laws and here's the really scary part oh we're finally getting to the really scary part okay yeah it took a while but quote the religious freedom restoration act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title or provide a basis for challenging the application or enforcement of a covered title, unquote. So basically they're saying you can't neutralize anything that the Equality Act says. Or challenge it. Or challenge it with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 93. Uh, sometimes Wikipedia is helpful, so let me just read their summary of the Religious Freedom, the RFRA. Quote, This law reinstated the Sherbert test, which was set forth by Sherbert versus Werner and Wisconsin versus Yorder prior cases, mandating that strict scrutiny be used when determining whether the free exercise clause of the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, guaranteeing religious freedom, has been violated. In the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, Congress states in its findings that a religiously neutral law can burden a religion just as much as one that was intended to interfere with religion. Therefore, the act states that the, quote, Government shall not substantially burden a person's exercise of religion, 
even if the burden results from a rule of general applicability, unquote. So the idea is precisely that when so-called religiously neutral laws like this one are passed, religious organizations have freedom from them. Exemption. The government should be really, really, really careful about infringing on religious freedoms. By the way, fun fact. The bill was introduced by Congressman Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, on March 11th, 1993. A unanimous U.S. House and a nearly unanimous U.S. Senate, three senators voted against passage, passed the bill, and President Bill Clinton signed it into law. So this act seemed obvious to everybody, and Bill Clinton. But uh, not to the makers of the Equality Act. They go out of their way to make sure nobody can use the RFRA as any kind of defense. And that, in summation, is the wonderful Equality Act of 2021. So what kind of effect will this law have? Well, it makes a certain view of sex and gender into a civil right. Yeah, which is really weird because... While we can all agree what constitutes, for example, like uh, a person who's black, a person who's white, a person. uh, Well, maybe we can't even all agree on that. Nope. But here's the thing. People in the woke camp can't even agree on what gender is. Is it a spectrum? Is it just like what Jake says it is or what Nathan says it is or what anybody says it is? Is it something that actually is well-defined, but trans people can switch between it so you can actually become a male or become a female, but it's something that you can switch with surgery? We're wading into really dangerous waters here, just just to start with, because we're enshrining this thing as a civil right that we can't even, even its even adherents can't, d- can't agree on and define. Yep. And, and the act also guts religious freedom. It just does. could very easily force employers, including churches, to hire against their consciences. It could force women's shelters to allow in biological men. It could actually force, if applied the right way, doctors to perform sex change operations. And it could force employers to pay for those sex change operations. It could force Christian adoption agencies and foster homes to give children to gay or trans couples or close shop. And some of those organizations, I mean, most notably Bethany, which is a massive Christian organization, has capitulated before the passing of the Equality Act, actually. Yeah, people see it coming and they... They're they, lining up. They either close shop or they line up for it. Christian schools could be punished for what they teach. There's just so many things. Uh, One of the most insidious parts of the law is its definition of public accommodations, quote unquote. So let me just read it, uh, going back to the Equality Act itself, quote, public accommodations, including restaurants, senior centers, stores, places of or establishments that provide entertainment, healthcare facilities, shelters, government offices, youth service providers, including adoption and foster care providers, and transportation that's how they define public accommodations Uh, forms of a discrimination include the exclusion and denial of entry unequal or unfair treatment harassment and violence this discrimination prevents the full participation of lgbtq people in society and disrupts the free flow of commerce so all you have to do to come after somebody say a church is call them a public accommodation like their childcare ministry or the festival they put on or their fish fry. Their Christmas pageant. A public accommodation. Yeah, and then you have a stick to beat them with. Now, advocates of the bill like to argue that there are places where laws like this have gone up in a non-national way, local or state laws, and they have not been used to punish religious organizations. Yay! There's a case in Ohio where some Catholic schools got in trouble over similar discrimination laws. And in the end, the city clarified language in their ordinance to state that religious schools were exempt. 
And there's another place where Massachusetts churches were defined as public accommodations and held liable for breaking local laws of this type. The churches sued the city. The case against the churches was dropped. So yeah, the the liberals used two laws like this as guns to fire bullets at Christians, and the Christians managed to dodge those bullets. (laughs) That's proof that guns aren't lethal. Yay! (laughs) Good point. What other negative side effects could this bill have? Well, uh, according to this bill, biological males would be able to compete in women's sports, taking scholarships away from biological women. Biological males would be allowed into women's shelters, into women's prisons, you name it. Uh, The bill could certainly be used to ram down our throat more government funding of abortion. After all, as we said before, it states that, quote, pregnancy, childbirth, or a related medical condition, which could include abortion, shall not receive less favorable treatment than other physical conditions, unquote. Man, is that broad. Yep. So we could actually, through this act, require doctors and hospitals to perform abortions, even if they have religious or moral objections. Certainly, there's no protections for employers who conscientiously object to covering abortion in their health care plans, which leaves the door open for abortion advocates to argue that the act requires them to provide abortion coverage. It also, as we alluded to before, it jeopardizes children in foster care. Uh, to take a recent example of something like this, the state of Illinois targeted adoption and f- f- uh, foster providers, forcing them to, you know, with some laws to violate their, their commitment to placing children in homes that had a married mom and dad. And the net result of that was that more than 2,000 children ended up being displaced. Suddenly, Catholic charities couldn't serve them anymore. Ah, the wonders of the Equality Act. Well, okay, so it passed the House. Is it actually going to pass the Senate? Assuming all 50 Democratic senators are in favor of the Equality Act, which seems likely to be the case, 10 Republican senators would need to join them to overcome a Senate legislative filibuster. Then, of course, more radical Democrats also want to go after the filibuster. And, uh, yeah, that concludes our survey of the Equality Act of 2021. The summary is it's horrible. Yeah, it really stinks. All right, guys. What do you think about that Equality Act of 2021? It's a piece of legislation carefully designed to attack Christians. Well, it's carefully designed in the sense that it will be effective and it has been, they've made sure it's effective, but the way they've done it is by just throwing everything in the kitchen sink. There's just so much language that's so broad that people can be interpreting it different ways for yeah, and they can, for years to come. Yeah. And they can cl- claim some kind of plausible deniability on all of it. Like, oh, it doesn't say anything about abortion, but. But if you, if you take the, the language in its most literal sense, as the courts are required to do, you will clearly see that the case can be made that abortion is included and that churches can, in fact, be defined as public accommodations. It's just a matter of when and where the tide is sufficient. And I think it's so even if they can't overcome the filibuster and the Republicans, I don't think they're going to get 10 Republican votes. It's, it's, li- it's more likely than not that this bill won't pass. I think pundits put it at about 22% likelihood right now which is the fact that there are people out there aggressive enough to want to do something like this to do it this nakedly and Mm -hmm. that it could come this close that it could pass a whole branch that we could have a president waiting to sign it and that Mm -hmm. none of us would be surprised if they got it through the senate one way or another yeah one way or another whether it's by bribery through changing uh filibuster yeah blowing up the filibuster rules which biden has said he's against Biden said he's against it, but that's just politics. Right. He's allowed to say he's against it while the minions 
work to undermine it. So I was reading this morning about proposed uh, changes to filibuster. Right. Uh, and you have the more radical people like Bernie Sanders and our good friend AOC just saying, filibuster must die. And it's yeah. terrible. It's how the Republicans are keeping us from helping people <laughs> whose statistics say 100% of them want our help and we're denying it to them. <laughs> yeah, there are other things that they can do just to introduce technicalities and change the vote to end the filibuster require constant speech like you see in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yes, they definitely talked about that. So someone would have to actively be up there reading. Constantly reading and speaking 24-7 to maintain the filibuster. Otherwise, if he pauses for too long, they can interject and Mm -hmm. end it. So ways to make the hurdle really high. Well, this seems like scary stuff. What should a Christian, what should the average listener of Sound of Sanity be thinking about this Equality Act, fellas. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Chip, get back in here. <laughs> Just for a second. <laughs> well, I read a little paragraph by Rod Dreher, who's writing about this kind of thing and feeling bad. I think some people might feel like this. So this is from his article, The Whale and the Net, which came out the other week, I guess. Quote, what do I do about it? About things going bad in this country. Not about the Equality Act in particular. I write angry, despairing blog posts. I don't know what else I can do. I'm feeling quite powerless and futile. I'm feeling about the country the way many of my Catholic friends are feeling about their church. Like the decadence is so deep and the leadership class is so rotten that there's nothing to do but burrow in and build shelters for my family and my friends so we can withstand the coming collapse and preserve enough of what's good to seed the rebirth. This despair feels wrong. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to hope. And I do have hope in that I believe God will not abandon us, but we as a people have abandoned him, that much is certain, and hope that's not based on a realistic assessment of where we are as Pollyanna optimism. End quote. We feel bad. I mean, <laughs> we... What are, that, what are we supposed to do with this? Uh, the first thing is to not panic. Christians have always been called and commissioned to build God's kingdom in all times and all places, including really hard ones and much harder times than we are currently living in. And worrying about tomorrow and what could come doesn't do anything for tomorrow and distracts us from the work at hand. So first thing is just continue plugging away at building God's kingdom and seeing God's kingdom come. Psalm, Psalm 11, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to the mountain, for behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted the arrow to their string to shoot at the dark, at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of men, etc. Yeah. That's a good one. The Lord's in his holy temple. Keep your eyes on him. He sees, he knows. Steady as she goes. Don't respond the way that the panic people say to respond. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think is that we need to just be public and visible because that makes it hard for people to come at us. If we're public, if we're visible, if we're open, if we're real people, it's harder for them to dehumanize us. We're faces and people that, you know, they have to be actually coming at and attacking. So I think rather than retreat and go hide in a bunker somewhere, We just stay public because the longer we can stay public and visible, the more refuge and shelter we can create for the people around us. There was an article that made the rounds. Maybe people will remember it a couple months ago when when the winter vortex was at its worst. Some liberal pundit wrote an article about how her MAGA hat wearing neighbors 
with a Trump 2020 sign had come and shoveled her driveway and the cognitive dissonance was just driving her crazy and she didn't know. The article was this deep think piece about what do I do? Do they think that they can buy my affection even though they've they voted <laughs> for these this monster into office? But, you know, they, they always smile and wave and it seems so not like they, they, they just seem like people that and they did they did my driveway and I'm just a single woman like living in my house by myself. I, it was really nice to have my driveway done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Drive up the cognitive dissonance as they try to de- dehumanize us, mm-hmm. right? Return Absolutely. return good for evil. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, Jesus tells us, right? right. And I think that that goes along with the next point which is really just cultivating goodwill in your community, befriending the kinds of people who are going to be charged with enforcing this stuff on the local level. Because look, the Roman Empire, like if you go and read, we've republished uh, Herbert Workman's book, Persecution in the Early Church. If you go and read that book, you see that there's, there was all kinds of red tapes throughout the Roman Empire that allowed anybody to persecute any sub- subset of society they wanted to. Question was only whether or not they wanted to. It had to be selective enforcement because there was so many laws, sort of like OSHA, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't possibly uh, be on a job site and be up to OSHA standards. And so OSHA can show up and shut down anybody they want to at any time, whenever they want to, because there's always some violation of OSHA. Well, that's kind of what we're headed toward here, Mm -hmm. potentially. And so it helps to just be a good positive influence in society to cultivate goodwill to actually know the officials and the people who might be responsible for enforcing any ramifications of the equality act on a local level and so just being known having friends having goodwill as these laws and types of laws come into play if your church is a force for good in the community and is known to be a force for good in the community the fruit of that will reflect well on the local officials and they'll want to protect you. And if they know you and see you and you're not just a nameless face or Mm -hmm. a nameless faceless entity, it'll be harder for them to enforce that persecution. Yeah. I really really think it's just, it's a a practical reality of all the advice that the apostle Paul gives to the various churches where he says things like, Honor the king, work hard, live at peace with um, all those kinds of just things that we're supposed to do as live Christian citizens, live a, live a quiet life. It's like work with your hands. when we do those things, we actually become the best citizens of our given neighborhood, of our given town, of our given community. And if I'm in charge and I want my community to look good, what, I'm going to pick on the people that, that make me look good? I'm going to pick on the people that actually bring light and hope and hard work and peaceful living to this community. It just doesn't make any sense. It might make sense on a big, broad national level when people are fighting out these ideologies. But if I'm a guy who just wants to protect his little province, his Mm -hmm. township, his neighborhood, his whatever, what? I'm going to go after the the people that are the best citizens that I have, actually, just because they've got some outdated, quote unquote, views. Mm-hmm. on yeah. things you might make a show of it here and there oh of course get a little bit of fiddler on the roof no we're gonna come we're gonna cause a little trouble we're gonna turn over some tables so that when the czar official comes through he sees that we're doing our job 
and then we'll help you clean up or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of place that you want to, kind of way you want to try to position yourself. And, and, and it's the kind of thing that you see uh, throughout the book of Acts too. You know, Paul becomes friends with some of these guys, right? And he doesn't stop his prophetic witness to them, right? He's still public. He still is who he is, but they kind of like him. Paul always seems like he has a much easier time getting along with the Romans than he does with uh, the Jews, Jews? for example. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Whether it's a centurion or a governor or a king or Or whoever, like, or a jailer, Paul never has any trouble. (laughs) Yeah. It's having really sweet relationships with them. The other, the other thing that is essential is that we, we focus on, on our kids, on the next generation. We, We have to prepare ourselves for a real deal persecution coming our way. We have to prepare our kids for that. We have to prepare them uh, for a future that will be potentially, barring a, a miracle of God, harder to be a Christian than the world we grew up in. And we have to understand that that's just part of our job. And that's part of the work of the kingdom is raising up a generation of men and women that are strong in the faith and can hold the line and continue building God's kingdom uh, no matter what comes their way, then we hope and pray and trust that God's kingdom will continue to expand and grow uh, no matter where we're at in the process as it has for thousands of years. Nothing's changed. No nation has schemed against the Son of Man and not been smashed to bits. America is no different. And that's good news because God will build his kingdom. And no, no nation will get in the way of that. Just the same way that when I'm 20, I think I'm going to be 20 forever. And when I'm 30, I think I'm going to be 30 forever. And when I'm 10, I think I'm going to be 10 forever. And I don't actually see myself as a creature that's in transition, so to speak. We, we also tend to be very short-sighted when we think about things on a national level. You know, I just, I'm always struck reading the first and second Kings and first and second Chronicles and the stories of those regime changes that things go from really good to really bad really, really quickly. quickly within the space of a decade, within the space of 50 years, within the space of two years, culture really fundamentally changes. And do you think that some, you know, the people that were suffering under Ahab probably thought, well, Israel is done. Well, Israel had a lot of history after, after Ahab. So let's not be short-sighted in the way that we look at these things. And let's realize that even though our lifetime is all we get and seems like pretty big to us. It's not that big. Like mm-hmm. in the, in the space of history, my mom was still alive when every state in the union had laws against sodomy. Mm-hmm. Culture changed really fast for the worse. It can in fact do the reverse. Yep. And it often does. You don't have to be falsely pessimistic about these kinds of things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Living quietly and minding your own affairs though really is not glamorous. I always stumble over those instructions when I read them. That's First Thessalonians 4, 11, if anyone's wondering. Just because it seems like, how is that adequate? <laughs> but it is. Yeah, I mean, I think if you've been listening to the points that Jake's been outlining for us, that is how we fight the culture wars, actually. That's, that's how we're retaking the culture. It just it doesn't feel like, yay! <sighs> All right, anything else? I don't think so. Mm-mm. All right. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed our episode on the Equality Act. May it never be passed. All right. I'm Nathan. That's Ben. That's Jake. We all contributed to making this show what it was. <sighs> Go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. 
to support us for the price of a cup of coffee a month. And until next time, stay sane. <laughs>